Ron, how's it going? I'm in uh, my makeshift office. I actually, my <laughs> wife just had our son. And uh, congratulations, man! Congratulations, I saw. Thank you. Yeah, and, and he's uh, he's taken over my office as uh, as his bedroom. So <laughs> I'm in this shitty office with a little bit of a makeshift <laughs> uh, scenario. My audio is not the best, but we'll make do. No, no, no. Of course, of course. Um, once again, thanks very much for taking time out of your day to to speak to me. Of course, of course. Uh, I know there's obviously a lot of things happening at the moment. Uh, how, you, how you doing? I had, I'm actually doing all right, surprisingly. Uh, a lot of people uh, have been saying that it, it, it's a tough transition, which uh, I am firm to believe, yeah, it is. Uh, but the thing that I did that a lot of people didn't do was I built my foundations on technology. Right. So my business itself is, uh, is, is based on technological principles. So being able to online program to anywhere, uh, to anyone, wherever they may be. Mm-hmm. So it, it's really good that I'm able to reach all corners of the world mm-hmm. uh, in being able to, to do what I love, which is ultimately coach. But I wanted to bring technology and sports performance together. And the best way to do it was, was um, through a US-based product, <laughs> funny enough. What do you use, True Coach? No, I use Train Heroic. Oh, Train Heroic. That's great. You know, I know you have a space, but how much of your business is training athletes from, you know, not within the, you know, five mile radius of your gym? I would say that 90% of my work is done remotely. Really? Yeah. So my business that I run, none of my athletes that I really work with over, uh, well, I work with properly, uh, are actually close to me. Really? Uh, I work with four people on a one-to-one basis. Okay. And for them to transition to online was, was pretty straightforward because they're already using the application in their own time. Right. So it's quite interesting that you say that. Uh, I haven't actually divulged much information on, <laughs> on it because it's, for me, I, I, I wanted people to have the ability to be able to train on their own because they'll then start to become more accountable for their methods so that when it comes to them going on to the next phases or say for instance uh here's a here's an example that you can outlive a coach okay right you can you always can because my methodologies and the way that i train people is going to be different from every other coach that's out there in the industry. But if I work on one specialist area, that's great. But I then need them to work on mobility better. Then I'm going to send them to someone who actually understands that better. Right. My principles are based on speed and athletic development mm-hmm. for team sports. So that, that, that I'm not going to then start divulging into... Okay, so uh, I've got an MMA fighter that comes to me. I haven't got a clue about MMA. I don't watch it. Uh, the only right. time I've ever watched it when when John Jones and um, uh, got in the ring with Dan Cormier. That's the only fight I've seen. <laughs> Dude, uh, MMA is big in the UK, though. No, Michael Bisbing is a national hero. <laughs> I, I grew up with rugby since okay. I was about four years old. So for me, I don't think the true testament of getting inside an octagon is a true testament of basically, it's basically you just saying, yeah, I just want to have a fight. Yeah. No, I'm uh, not about that. (laughs) No, definitely. I I trained with um, a bunch. I've trained with uh, Chris Feather. He was a pro rugby player. Uh, He's probably like, I think he's like 37 or 38, but he played uh, professionally in UK for 10 years and, He's probably one of the biggest savages I've ever trained with in my entire life. So he's, he's a beast. And, uh, you know, he's brought me up to speed on, on rugby because obviously rugby in the States, it's definitely catching wind a little bit, but it's not, it's not huge. You know, football is our thing, but rugby's intense, man. It's super intense. It, it, <laughs> my, my granddad always said to me, he said, if you're ever going to play a sport, don't play American football, okay? Here's, here's an interesting fact. My end goal is to get to the NFL. 
<laughs> like, because the training principles that come with the NFL and the money that goes into the science and the money that goes into the development um, of youth athletes coming up through uh, the college systems, university, is a lot better designed for that sport. Whereas over here in the UK, we build foundations on rugby, but the investment that goes into it from a grassroots level is not that high. Right. So it, when you look at a country like New Zealand, for instance, where it's their national sport, then you start getting, you start getting the momentum. You start understanding why we need to, to do this for this, or we need to start looking at um, elite player pathways, effectively, um, because they are. Um, yeah. Absolutely. So you, you, you know, yeah. I'm sure we'll talk about it a little bit today, but it's just so funny. Yeah. Like we, uh, I mean, we started a business training just American football players that lived within three miles of our gym. And it, it's like, it's crazy to think about the, you talk about investment, but the emotional investment of our community around football and Friday night lights, it's like, it's <laughs> almost like religion. And, and people think it's only like Midwest, like New Jersey, it, it, it's, it's crazy. It's crazed about American football. And, um, you know, people are talking about with this pandemic and lockdown, they're like, there's no way the NFL season will be canceled. Like, they're just, there's just not going to be a chance that it gets canceled because I think there would be such upheaval in this country if that happened that bad shit would start to happen. <laughs> I think we're seeing that across different states, though. Um, I've got a friend of mine that's over in uh, California. And yeah. um, he said to me, um, because I'm, I'm actually a 49ers fan. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, no, it's fine. That's been, fine. I've been a 49ers fan since I was a kid. Uh, my mum's family and so forth, they all live over in San Fran, so mm. it makes sense. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, did, uh, I, did grow, I did grow up uh, and there was one point where I was a massive Ravens fan. Uh, I was just literally just watching Ray Lewis every week. Ray I was Lewis. just watching him every week. I was just like, Reed. You're, yeah, you're just a monster. Like to me, he was like the Francois Pinar of the American <laughs> football. He, he was, was because he was just going in, just oh, yeah. I was just like, I love this. <laughs> yeah. The uh their quarterback, Flacco, I played against him in college a bunch. He's oh, really? he's, he's a big ass dude. Yeah. He uh really good player too. So um, everyone's so big, man. It's 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 crazy. There's it's I, I think that I'm slow, but in 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 my eyes, I think I'm slow, but in people that I've seen around me and coaches and stuff like that. And they're like, you can run a 40 yards in 4.8. Like that's right. not slow. Like, right. why are you thinking that you're slow? I think it was just a psychological thing that I just think that I am. But <laughs> right. I won't, I won't be running a 4.4 anytime soon. I'll tell you that much. Uh, um, not many people freaks. on this earth. Freaks. Freaks. Freaks, mate. They are. Um, but look, Dan, thanks very much um, for coming on the show today. Of course. And uh, yeah, we can, we can have a bit more of a, a deep delving discussion. Uh, yep. For those of you that are listening to this, uh, I am here with Dan Goodman. He is the founder of Varsity House Gym in the United States. And I'm very, very lucky to be talking to him today. And uh, yeah, Dan, if you could just obviously introduce yourself, give, give us a bit of a, a rundown of your coaching history and how you, how you managed to start the gym. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to shit on, uh, on Joe Riggio cause I know he'll be listening to this, but he's my business partner and he is actually the founder. Um, you know, just a quick backstory. We, uh, we started training together. He was actually my coach when I was going to the university of Rhode Island, I would come home in the summers and, uh, you know, I just wanted something, I wanted to stray away from the traditional collegiate strength and conditioning setting. And, you know, that's kind of when like, Joe DeFranco and Zach Evanesh and Joe Riggio were, you know, flipping tires and swinging sledgehammers, pulling trucks. And I thought, man, the, the, the transferability of strength to the field, I think that would really, would really be great stimulus for me. You know, what the hell did I know when I was 20 years old? But I just thought it would be cool. And uh, we started training together. Uh, Joe was training people out of a loading dock in New Jersey. Um, and uh, he started training 
some of the area's best football players. And just one day I asked Joe, I said, hey, man, what's your, what's your end game here? I think the question actually was like he was going on vacation uh, for a week. I said, well, who's going to train us when you're gone? And he's like, well, I don't know. He hadn't taken a vacation in three, three years. And I was like, well, uh, I mean, what are you going to do when you're like 40 years old? <laughs> and uh, one thing got, you know, one thing led to the next. And uh, a couple of years went by, we forged a friendship. And um, going into my fifth year of school, I asked him, I said, hey, you know, do you think it would be worth it to start putting together a shell of a business plan to see how we can expand what is the Varsity House brand? And uh, those initial conversations led to the eventual um, formation of a partnership. I'm very grateful that, uh, that Joe was willing to give me a chance to be a partner at that point. Uh, I'm grateful for my family to give me you know, a, a loan to help assist me buy into that gym at that point in 2009. And, um, you know, for the rest is kind of history. I mean, at this point, um, we train a full gamut of, of, of athletes. Uh, we have over 200 adult clients. Uh, we have 15 employees. So the loading dock days um, have evolved quite a bit. And uh, as has our coaching philosophy, but something that is, um, you know, still tried and, and true, and I know we're going to get into it a little bit today, Tom, is that, you know, our ability to, to give a shit about the clients that we've worked with, I, I think is the full testament of why we're successful today. And it, it really truly has become um, our mission to provide results-based training in an hour that hopefully becomes one of the one of our clients' favorite hours of their day or their week. And I think whoever you train, that should be, that should be your goal. It's results is 50% of the deal, but them having a really good time in the training and with the community is also half the battle. And we've always understood that. And I think that's why we've lasted the test of time thus far. It's truly tr- tr- fascinating. I've been following the journey uh, for most people listening to this. Uh, I've actually come into contact with Adam Manor, who is the director of Varsity House. Um, so he runs the operational aspects of things and and really building a foundation, as you say, on, on a really great community uh, has been so, so important to that. And I think that for someone like myself looking from the outside, uh, very hundreds of thousands of miles away um, <laughs> <laughs> over that big deep blue sea exactly. um, it's uh, it's amazing to see how i've really bought into that and to to actually have a great communication with with you guys although obviously not be in a face-to-face capacity which i'm sure one day it will be um, but we can see that you're creating a humble space that people are getting not only just the results, which is it, which is ultimately the end game for them, but totally. it's the life-driven aspects of things. So it's the community that's allowing them to to feed off everyone else. There's not one, there's not one area that they're going to. It's every other area that encompasses it, uh, and I think that that's something that's truly inspiring. And it's going to lead on to to something that I really want to talk about is 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 how do you keep that community um, within the facility. Obviously, being that we're, we're, we're experiencing something that's very, very different here. You guys are obviously building a foundation of, of bricks and mortar, uh, but we're moving into a bit more of a digital age, now more so than ever. Um, how have you been able to maneuver that to maintain the consistency within the, the environment? Well, I mean, that's a good question. The But... Look, the ability, I posted this the other day, but a facility doesn't define a coach. And we've experienced that um, from the loading dock days to the warehouse days where we flooded and had a leaky roof to now just in the past five years. Yes, we have a state-of-the-art facility. However, I don't think it changed necessarily the overall overarching experience maybe from a sales perspective or a marketing perspective, it might've enticed people to come give us a look uh, maybe more so than years past. But ultimately, um, you know, to answer your question in the digital age and how we're able to 
um, exemplify the community aspect. Look, we have a private members Facebook page for adults and athletes. That's, you know, all of our coaches in there and there's tons of communication there. Uh, we do use uh, a programming software. We use true coach, um, which enables us to program and, and organize our sessions for our clients in a very matter of fact matter. Um, and we also do things that like in this lockdown, obviously we're referring to this pandemic situation. We do a weekly challenge. We've done a virtual 5k. We've done the, the mother's day Murph. We have another fundraiser for Memorial day weekend, which is, you know, next weekend. And we're doing things to provide that, uh, let's call it emotional connection where, you know, we're doing a four week challenge for our members. That's totally free. And what is it? It's just a coach accounted to 15 or 20 people to check in with them every single day. How are you doing? What do you need help with? You know, what are your macros looking like today? Did you do this week's challenge? It's, it's a, it's a helping hand that I don't think a lot. I think a lot of people, uh, forget that success is measured by, yeah, there, you know, Tom, you and I could put together a program and the program you could, that you put together could be exponentially better than mine. But if you hand a program over and don't follow up for 10 weeks and I hand a program over and I'm on top of the client and nurturing them every single day, I would say I'd probably get that client better results regardless of the X's and O's of the program. And we oh, can, you know, 100%. Yeah, so, and the accountability, uh, the, the accountability towards that is, yeah. is, is one part of it, but it's actually knowing that the human interaction is still oh. evolving. Look at, look at like, I was using this example on another conversation, but my mother-in-law has had great success on a program that's, that's been around forever. Um, Weight Watchers. And people are like, oh, Weight Watchers is bullshit, this and that. It's not bullshit. It's not bullshit because it's worked for millions of people. Joe, you know, Joe Riggio's mom, she lost 100 pounds on Weight Watchers. And why? Because it's super simple and it, there's a shitload of accountability. You could say the diet plans aren't good, the points, whatever. The point is, is that it works because there's accountability and there's level of care on their end. And they've got that down to a science. And, you know, I think when you're trying to build community, <clears throat> it's really important to understand. It's like, you know, you can't, you can't overemphasize the, the want or the needs of your clients to have that feeling of human interaction and it's the same reason why like I continue to go, well, I can't go right now, but I go to the same restaurants all the time because the owners and the managers know my name and they know what I like to eat. It's not because they have the best food. It's just because I have a great rapport with those, with the people that work there. So I think it's super important, especially for strength and conditioning coaches that want to geek out on the science of, of strength and conditioning. That's great. And that's, you have to, you have to be knowledgeable, but you can't neglect the other side of the coin here. No, 100% agree with that, 100%. So how have you been able to fine-tune that so well? Because you have. You've got, you've got a Facebook group that's obviously doing well. You've also got coaches that are interacting with your community. Has it, has it always been something that you, that you and Joe have started from day one? And, and obviously with, with Adam's injection of um, VH education, mm -hmm. it's, it's just kind of just piecing everything together that's covering both ends of the spectrum really because you've got the community and then you've got the sessions but then you've obviously got the relationship that builds it mm -hmm. well i think it comes down to one thing and that's the staff that we've put together um <clears throat> one person can only impact so many effectively 50 60 70 people um but Joe is a great communicator. I think one of my strengths uh, growing up has been communication um, and building relationships. And I think the biggest thing, if you want to run a, want to run a crew and you don't want to be like a solopreneur or just a coach, um, you, you have to understand that the people that you hire will ultimately become the people that you spend the most time with. And they eventually become reflection of you and they are 
you know, their, their work is a reflection on your ability to help nurture that. And look, like I don't take, I'm not taking anything from, from Adam, super smart guy, super smart guy, but we've given him the platform to be successful. And it's part of the reason why he's felt indebted to us to stick around this long. Whereas you see in the strength and conditioning world, it's a dog eat dog world. It's like, you go somewhere for an internship, then you leave to go to another job, then you try to do it on your own, and then you're back to a health club. It's a lot of ping-ponging around. Take a guy like Big Mike. He's our head of strength and conditioning at the gym. He's been with us for 11 years. Uh, Sean Mathis, he's been with us for six years. Simone Letta, our nutritionist, she's been with us for six years. I grew up next to her. She was my next-door neighbor. It's... Um, it's a, it's, it's a family ties bond and there's a lot of mutual respect and there's great communication. We're allowing coaches and we want, we, we sit our coaches down. What do you want from this career and how can we meet you halfway to help make sure that comes to light? Like when Adam said, Hey, I want to be published. I want to be part of the paid platform. I want to be the director of performance and help with operations here. Okay, Adam, well, it's going to look like this. And this is how you level up to get there. And when he has career fulfillment, don't you think that that's going to, that, that I'm going to get a guy that's super talented to put his best, best foot forward for our community. Of course he feels emotionally tied to it as does Simone, as does Sean, as does Mike, you know, I hope that we could all ride into the sunset for the next 20 years. I don't know what's going to happen, but you could, they know that they're going to get their best from myself and Joe to help make sure that they achieve the level of success that's within reason in this industry. And if they can be happy, then our clients will be happy. You know, I've heard this before and this isn't original, but if you make the decision to hire staff as an owner or manager, they become your number one client and they're, Happiness will in turn make you happy because your clients will be happy. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a, it's a cycle. Yeah, it's a cycle yeah. of obviously when you invest into your I've, – I've always said this and, and my father taught me this as well, is that when you invest in people and you do it correctly, then their investment to you is much, much greater. Exactly. they right. buy into it. Because they understand, number one, your ethos and what you're trying to do, but also the secondary side of it as well is that they're on a journey as well as you. You're, you're not on your same journey. You disregard it. You're not. You're on your own individual journey to success or fulfillment, depending on what it is. Okay? Mm-hmm. For me, I don't care about the money okay? because I know that that's a byproduct of everything that comes of it. My first and number one thing is education. Hmm. I need to educate. I need to inspire. And then I need to obviously just get people to understand that it's, it's doing the right things that can benefit you. Um, So yeah, I I want to, I want to be able to do that. And if it comes that a massive opportunity lands on my lap, then fantastic. Mm -hmm. But the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to assess it and see whether it fits into those three areas. Is it going to allow me to innovate? Is it going to allow me to inspire? And is it going to allow me to educate people as well? If it's not going to do those three things, then you've lost me. I'm not listening. I think it's amazing that you've established those core values because a lot of times coaches, and we're, we're both young coaches uh, in the grand scheme of things, is that they chase... Um, they chase ego-driven opportunities that might just be, you know, maybe a publication or a, a few thousand dollar raise, like, because of the status that it's comes. It's the materialism. It's the materialism aspects of it, isn't it? Because per- correct. when you're growing up, look, come on. When we were both growing up, when we were younger, yeah, I wanted a Ferrari. Yeah, I wanted a big house. Right. Yeah, I wanted to be on top of, uh, I wanted to be on top of Mount Everest saying, do you know what? I did this. But I can guarantee you right now, I'm not going to stand on Mount Everest because it's bloody freezing. Um, I'm not going to get a Ferrari because the engine and the car themselves, I'm just not interested. And (laughs) I don't want a big house because it's not practical. 
Right. Like, and, <laughs> do you know look, what I mean? <laughs> of course. And I was listening to, uh, you know, um, I was listening to a podcast actually this morning and it's funny. Um, it was uh, Luca Hosevar and, and Adam Gorstein, I believe. And they're talking about that exact thing. They're like, look, people chase those things, but you're chasing it from a position of insecurity. It's like, why do you want those things? And usually it's the acquisition of power. And it, it's like, well, does getting a Ferrari make you powerful? No. <laughs> like, you know, probably educating, inspiring, and 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 uh, like making an impact on people, a true impact and a true connection, that's probably going to give you the byproduct of fulfillment of what you're looking for, right? So, oh, without without a doubt, I think there's right. there's that's um, that's a huge thing. I think I learned that when I went overseas to Australia uh, because I I needed to see something from a different different point of view because I've been because we are when we grow up we're sheltered. We're sheltered in a in a in a system where we we're not evolving because we're we're following one dimension. For me to go overseas, I would definitely recommend this. Obviously, being when a lockdown right now, it can't happen. Right. Um, but but go overseas, see things from a different uh, different narrative, see things from the outside. Go and look at something that you may have done over here and try and replicate that in a different way that would follow someone else's systems. You. you this is the problem that we're experiencing right now is that too many coaches uh, are trying to find the quick, the, the quick mechanisms because mm-hmm. they've got that materialistic thought in their head thinking, I want to be a trainer, I want to be a coach, I want to be a PT because it's going to make me loads of money. Not the case at all. No. I don't know anyone who is successful right now that went in with that attitude. No, and okay. because that's it. it. Yeah. It's it. it oh. You 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 started on the landing block. You started somewhere that was right. because you knew that the materialisms of things wasn't going to bring you self satisfaction. That's where and, the community's built so well because of that. Totally, and like some of the you know original people that we really looked up to in the industry, it's like the one common thread. And you, you hit the nail on the head is like getting out of your comfort zone, going overseas, getting a different perspective. In 2010, 2011, my one perspective was like, okay, I played in the collegiate setting. I've trained with Joe. I had worked at Parisi Speed School when I was 18 years old at the front desk and as a cool down trainer. But like that linear, that's all I knew about strength and conditioning. And it was like, wow, I, I really have to. I have to uh, up my exposure to different things. And that's when, you know, on our own dime and, you know, we went out to Ohio, spent a week at Westside Barbell. We went to Ohio State. We went through the entire Jim Jones certification process that cost thousands of dollars, like credit card debt, you know, like the whole thing to get out there and make sure it happened. We went down to Louisville and spent time with Pat Rigsby um, and, and took a look at the franchise model. We, and, and today, what people don't realize too is we pay as a business for more coaching and more outside eyes on the business today in a lot of different aspects from a strength and conditioning side, from a financial side, uh, a business coaching side. And people are like, well, you guys do consulting. It's like, yeah, but why, why at, at a certain point, like coaches need coaches too. And yeah. you know, that's just part of the deal. And like, you have to seek out knowledge. And a lot of times co- coaches like, well, you know, I mean, are they going to let me do it? Or do I have to wait for a seminar? No, if you like a gym, call the gym owner and say, Hey, look, I want to come spend some time. And you know what, if it comes with a price tag, because that person's busy, so be it. It's the cost of doing business. You have to get exposure. You, you can't just hide. Podcasts are an amazing thing and you should be in, you know, listening and, and reading articles and reading books, but nothing, as you said, nothing can recreate the ability of actually going to spend actual time, energy, and money to be in a different, different place. <clears throat> There's so many different ways of doing things um but that like i said look that's just that's just my take on it because i think that you should look at things like that um more importantly as well in terms of developing uh yourself 
I think that's a really good area um, that a lot of people are doing right now, being that we ultimately have so much time on our hands. Uh, in terms of the team side of things then, what, what's the next sort of phases in terms of developing, uh, enhancing that, that community aspect? So are you speaking like in specifically to the staff we have now or like how we are going to continue to grow the team in the future? In, in terms of the growth itself, because obviously you want to grow. Mm-hmm. Everyone does. Right. Have, have you, you've maintained that, that set thing throughout or has there been times where you've just sort of thought, you know what, we need to grow, but we need to do it with this, this and this. Has it been a structured approach or has it been just very yeah. much as it, as it comes? Well, um, well, I'll answer this in, in twofold. So we follow a system that, uh, you know, for people that listen to the podcast, like Gino Wickman's uh, visualization tactics of the uh, vision traction organizer. Uh, you could read the book Traction. Um, and every single quarter, every single year, we have our outline vision, we've got our rocks, and we've got our issues. And every single quarter throughout the year, we are evaluating these rocks and issues and we're chugging along towards success. Um, We have our overall vision of what we want to be considered one day. And, um, you know, in terms of growing the staff, every single summer for the last 11 years, and it's evolved quite a bit, uh, we have our summer internship program. Uh, Last year we had six interns, we hired two. Um, this summer it's kind of up in the air. We have a lot of applications and we're hoping that we can run the program, but we've never hired outside of the internship process ever. Um, and that's become a staple in our growth. And I think, you know, outside of just being able to hire coaches, we've, we've definitely been able to make our mark on coaches that have come through the program and gotten placed at Boise state, St. Peter's prep, um, at North Dakota State, like, you know, we've got our coaching tree that's evolving and our network that's evolving and try to keep in touch with these interns. And, you know, one of them's a local PE teacher at a local high school. And, you know, it's, it's pretty cool to see the, the net that it's kind of cast out through the internship process. And you look at a gym like uh, Cressy Performance, uh, you look at the interns that have come through that program with, with Pete and Eric and, it's incredible. And, you know, I think from a, from an ideology standpoint, it, it would be great to be recognized on a similar level like that one day. Um, and hopefully if we just have, you know, a total abundance of coaches, uh, I know a goal for us and it's something I haven't really shared publicly, but you know, we're before the pandemic, like we're pretty close to opening uh, facility number two and, you know, to open facility number two, we need, you know, four or five really good coaches. And I think that we've got them waiting in the wings. Uh, thanks for sharing that. No, no, it's obviously, uh, we'll, we'll stay obviously close to, to the ground as much as possible. And obviously seeing the developments of it. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm always exciting. Uh, well, always, always excited to, to see how things grow. Uh, and in terms of the community itself, I think they'll, they'll obviously be excited to see things grow even further. Um, Going back to that then, the community. You obviously mentioned that you're doing things for, you did the Mother's Day Murph. That looked hellish, disgustingly hard. <laughs> I wouldn't wish that on anyone to even do it. I've watched, I've watched people do it and it, it, it scares me a little bit. Uh, <laughs> I know there's, I know there's a, a dulled down version. Um, yeah, we have three yeah, I know. Well, good. It's good that you did that. Um, I would have uh, chosen the third option um, <laughs> <laughs> just to keep it light. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Um, in, in terms of the community that you've got right now, what three things would you urge them to focus on for themselves right now? Because they're obviously wanting to, to, to feel the love. They want to obviously stay in touch with you guys. Uh, outside of obviously the Facebook groups and stuff like that, in terms of them themselves that they can start bringing other people into the community, what three things would you urge them to, to, to focus on? For, the, for their fitness, like personally? It can be whatever you want it to be. It can be fitness. It could be uh, life. It could be just by even just creating new networks and telling mm-hmm. the story. 
Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so like right now we really haven't been pressing them for like our gym's been built on a referral machine and they've been that machine. Uh, we haven't pressed them anything to sell anything because we really haven't felt like it's been worth it thus far. Um, we've had a couple local gyms that weren't offering virtual and like a couple, you know, people were like, Hey, you should give this a shot. So we've actually had three or four leads come in through referral based, which has been great. And really what we're trying to um, encourage our members to focus on is to control what they can control is number one. Like there's no point of getting crazy on political rants and, you know, like focus on things that that are totally out of our hands at the moment. Um, We're running a nutrition challenge right now uh, that I spoke to spoke about with a four week challenge. Um, And, you know, controlling your nutrition right now is hard. So adding that layer of accountability from our nutritionist, Simone and and our coaching staff assisting there as well has been, has been hugely beneficial uh, because I think people could sit around and, and eat a lot and, and drink too many beers, which has definitely happened for me a few of these nights. And, uh, you know, lastly, it's not to stress about your fitness. Like fitness is, I think a lot of times people come in and they're like, oh, well, you know, today we're doing a deadlift and a, and a chest supported row and a sled push. And, and on, on our lower body day, that's all that we do. It's like, just relax. You know, like you can go outside and do you know, a dumbbell reverse lunge, a dumbbell RDL, and, and a walking carry with those same dumbbells for a few rounds, get some fresh air, get some good breathing, and hey, that's a good training session. Don't stress it, right? Like fitness um, is a stressor in and of itself. And it's like, you shouldn't, um, you shouldn't be so concerned about what it looks like. Just try to get some movement, try to get some fresh air, um, try to get your mobility work done. And um, Look, because right now, this, this situation, especially where we're at, it's very stressful. You know, a lot of people have lost their jobs close to us. Um, uh, from a, you know, from a mentality standpoint, like there's, there's people in our area that have lost loved ones. And it's very, it's, it's just a, it's a very weird time. So to do, you know, the Murph was a, was a little bit of a, you know, an outlier, but our sessions right now are not being programmed to smash people. It's 30 minutes of good quality movement, good quality work. At the end of every uh, virtual session, we shoot the shit like this for 10 or 15 minutes, you know, to ask questions and just what's everybody up to, you know, talk about like, uh, Ozark and game of Thrones and just try to, just try to get some normalcy because any, you know, so any that, Netflix recommendations there? <laughs> Ozark is, Ozark's really damn good. You know, my wife was making fun of me yesterday because uh, I know we were talking before we, we actually got on the show here. Um, I finally pulled the trigger on Disney plus so that I would get, uh, every UFC fight in the last like five years. <laughs> so <laughs> last night I'm like downloading everything and, we had a we had a fighter that uh, was supposed to fight last night, and he got pulled just because he, um, you know, had some trouble uh, with his weight cut, and uh, no, he he got sick. He's fine. He's fine. It's nothing COVID related, but um, yeah, I was totally locked into UFC fight night last night. So with all these channels between Disney Plus, Netflix, Amazon, it, it's hard to navigate. I'll tell you. Yeah, no, I can imagine. Uh, and going back to obviously people are losing their jobs. They're obviously going through some stressful times at the moment. Just want to obviously flip the coin a little bit to that then. Uh, what, do you, what do you see on the horizon for, for businesses in terms of being able to overcome this? Because I'm, I'm quite fortunate that my business is built on, built on a technological platform. Mm-hmm. I don't have uh, a, a facility. I don't run a facility. Uh, so for me, I'm quite flexible in that the only thing that I've really lost is the environment uh, and equipment. Say, for instance, if I'm taking someone in-house to a, mm-hmm. an external facility. Um, and obviously many athletes and, uh, and, stuff, and, um, and people around, are obviously they don't have the luxury of having that as well. So the businesses themselves, they're going to they're gonna be – they've been hit hard, mm-hmm. very hard. Have you guys – Felt that, or has it been a case of you've been able to just sort of say, well, okay, well, we've been hit by it, but we need to adapt quickly. What do, what do we do? That's, uh, 
<clears throat> that's a loaded question, <laughs> but it's a good question. Look, there's no business that hasn't been affected by it. Um, we've had attrition like every other brick and mortar facility. Uh, we're not insulated from that, but moving forward, <clears throat> I really think that there will be a lot of opportunity on the heels of this because some brands of fitness are kind of getting exposed for what it is. And it's just a, it's a, it's a transactional workout. It's a commodity of space. It's, you know, equipment is what sells the space. You know, the equipment is not what sells our space. The class times are not what sells our space. Uh, and that's for a lot of small gyms. It's the coaching, it's the community, it's the results, it's the friendship and um, I think the facilities that have been able to um, really highlight this have been able to make the transition to online virtual coaching. As we said before, a facility does, is not the mark of a coach. Coaching is the mark of a coach. And you can coach from anywhere. As you can see from yourself, you coach from a variety of different, a variety of different athletes on, on all over the world. So I think that's pretty... Um, that's pretty cool. And, um, look, I, there will be opportunity. Like I look at our business is that over the years, we've probably incurred maybe too many classes. We've maybe done too many private training sessions. Maybe we chased team training a little bit too much. And I, I look at it, it's like, well, what can go and what do we really need to hone in on focus in on and, and really go back to some of the bread and butter, which is small group personal training and really focus on that. And because there'll be a market for that always. And there's people that are insulated by this. There's people that haven't lost their jobs. There's people that will make money off of this whole thing. So money is there. Um, so don't be focused on people that don't have money or the economy is going to bounce back at a certain point. It's about weathering the storm and pruning the business of what's not necessary. And sometimes what's not necessary unfortunately, it might be a part-time coach. It might be a full-time coach. It might be um, an ad agency that's putting out tons of content for you. Maybe it needs to be eliminated a little bit. Um, it, it, there's plenty of things that you can look at and say, well, how do we get a little bit leaner as a business in terms of operating processes and also expenditures? And if you can focus in on that and, you know, when the economy bounces back and say six months, nine months, 12 months, you'll be better off for it and maybe running a more profitable business. Oh, 100%. I think a lot of people, when they can start fine tuning what's going on, I think this is the perfect time to do it in terms of eradicating things that aren't necessarily moving the business forward. If, if you're still operating the same processes and getting the same outcome, you're not growing. You're, you're not moving forward. Mm -hmm. you, you're staying on that line, that, that, that the comfortable line, I like to call it. Uh, I don't like being comfortable. If I'm comfortable, I'm not doing something right. If I'm uncomfortable, I'm firing all cylinders. That's the thing. And, and, and when you become susceptible to liking being uncomfortable other people can sometimes find it a little bit frightening because it, it, you'll start being very structure orientated and then you'll just start following it and then people will just be seeing you just building and building and building but then again other people around you will then to start wanting to jump on that ship it'll be like okay so we're all now evolving our business is now evolving and it's got nothing to do with the four walls. Mm -hmm. And that's the, that's the beauty of it. I think, this, I think this time right now, it has served me very, very well. Definitely. And I think it's done the same for you as well, because you, like you say, it's the coaching that the people buy into. It's totally. not the coaches. Well, there is an element of buying into the coaches because you've, got to, like, you've got to like the goddamn people you work with. Yes. Come on. If you've got Barry or Bob or whatever his name is who doesn't know how to, <laughs> how to coach something, like, you're not going to tell him to coach the same things every week, are you? Because it's just completely irrelevant. Um, but, yeah, it, it, it's exciting. I, I'm, I'm really excited for the next 12 months. I, I really am. And to be honest, it, it's, it's really shone a light on who I have in my network. 
and and obviously the growth to that. And I think it's a very good note to to really uh, to really finish on in terms of what do you see on the horizon? What do you see? What do you see for the next three six months? Well, three six twelve months for you guys. Sure. What's happening? Well, look. In I was talking to my wife about this, and you don't want to. You don't want to. Um, you don't want to relish in other people's failures. You don't. That's that's bad karma. But there will be people uh, that decide that strength and conditioning is not for them, and there will be gyms that decide, hey, it's it's time to do something else and you know dave tate talked about this on the table talk recently and he said you know a lot of gyms are barely profitable and they're barely getting by and they just were looking for an excuse to pivot and change uh, and change courses and you know what sometimes it's sometimes uh, um, a great trainer doesn't make a great business owner and going back to just training and subletting space might be a good move for that person but for the facilities get that, that get through to the other side, if there's uh, attrition in the industry of, say, 25 30 35%, which many are predicting, well, that's, as we said before, that'll be more opportunity for us. And some of the bigger chain brands that, you know, who, who knows in terms of w- what's going to happen with people's, you know, um, their fears and emotions towards going to say a big box gym in the city like Equinox. It's a great gym, beautiful gym, but are they going to be comfortable training around two, three, 400 people? It might give us the opportunity. We don't need all those people, but two, three, four, five people paying small group or private rates for us makes a big difference to the bottom line. So that's what I'm focused on. I'm focused on, you know, first and foremost, the opportunity is that, We've got our whole staff in place. Uh, everybody's working uh, diligently. We're getting the facility back in order with sectioned off pods to get the social distancing ready to go. Um, we've, we've never had this much time to think about the vision because we've always been so busy. So we've got some really cool things, like amazing stuff planned for VH education and the business of strength side. Uh, but in terms of the brick and mortar varsity house gym, um, the opportunity lies in the fact that for a long time, we've been offering large group training for adults and athletes. And that's what we started off with. And that's all we knew. Um, and it never kind of transitioned, even though people wanted smaller, more intimate groups, we just stretched the schedule, hired more coaches, and we're just running out of space again. And this is the this is the time where we're saying, hey, we're going to cut some of these large group classes to make room for some of the smaller groups and, and some of the private training. Um, and look, it, it might piss some people off, but as we said before, like we've had some attrition in terms of membership, it's now or never. And we're going to double down on it and it's going to work because we need it to work and we want it to work. And that's where all of our love, energy and attention is going to go. And, um, you know, it's going to go back to trying to provide, uh, a level of service that, people are accustomed to, but also fits our needs as a more mature business. Um, it's very hard sometimes to, when you've been in business for 10, 12, 14 years to change some of the, the old systems. Like a, a, a point of emphasis for us is we've never had a check-in system to large group training classes. Well, now we do. And we're going to limit the amount of people that can come to those large group classes, which will in turn improve the ability for the coach to know a who's coming to class so that they can be better prepared and B it'll limit like a large group class with 25 people, the product, I'm not saying it's bad, but it's not as good. Right. How could it be? Yeah, so you lose, you lose detail. It, it, it goes course. out the window and it's a, as you say, then the, the, the now is so, so important because when we get out of this, as you say, you're going to be focusing on the quality of that to then, to then focus on the deliverables mm-hmm. because 25 people, as you say, is a lot of people coming to it's one class. It's, it's, it, it's yeah. And when you've got say five to 10 people, it's manageable. Totally. 
you can you can separate things a lot easier. I'm just thinking from a coaching perspective right now that if I've got ten people, separating them into two specific teams that are actually working on different things, then they can focus on those mechanics for that set amount of time with one coach, and then I can focus on another set of mechanics with another coach. Mm-hmm. Then then you can just transition them. How easy is that? Because then people are seeing there's two sides to it, and whether you be that you're focusing on explosive movements on one side and then the other side of it you're looking at plyometrics that that, that are not that are completely changing it so it, yeah it, it, it's amazing you can actually separate strength and conditioning mm-hmm. whereas when you've got 25 people it's like fun house right it's not, exactly it, there's no there's no root there's no routine to it there's no there's no structure at all to it it's like everyone yeah go right. <laughs> and <laughs> kids in a bullpen Exactly. And we we knew that it needed to change for a long time. It was just like, well, we've got these 18 people. They always come. It's going to piss somebody off. And just like, ah, you know what? If it gets to 25 consistently, we'll add an assistant coach. But then from a profit, you know, yeah, we're getting more value, but it's not like we raised the rates for those people. Mm. So we kind of were stuck in this dichotomy of a long time of knowing that we needed to go a little smaller. Um, and a little bit more focus and attention on the value build of the session. We just didn't know how to do it. This is forcing our hand to, to have it happen. And I think as a result, will we have some growing pains? Absolutely. Are some people going to be tiffed by it? Probably. But you know what? In six months or nine months, we're going to have a staff that is less, that is less stretched they're going to be more fulfilled because they're making more of an impact with the training that they're doing. And it's more detailed, as you said, and guess what happens when a business is more fulfilled and making more of an impact it gets more profitable too. So, um, that's going to be the major focus at the brick and mortar varsity house for the next year. Uh, um, well, as you say, yeah, when, when everything is going to start moving forward, it will definitely pay off. I'm, I'm a firm believer in that because when you've got those said systems in place, you can really start to start working on the other areas and then obviously finding the teething problems because that's when you've got a smaller system to work with, the teething problems don't seem as big. Right. So you're able to, to focus on them and give you better, more undivided attention because you've got a limited amount of space that you're playing with versus there being that space, but it seems like a thousand times the size. Because then next thing you know, the problem's a thousand times the size. Next time you start looking at things, you'll be like, oh, I can't do this. And then the stress <laughs> goes up through the roof. And then you end up going home to your wife and saying to her, well, oh, this is happening, this is happening. Whereas when you've got a small handful, you have to say, I had this problem today, but I was able to fix it. Right. Because it wasn't so big. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and that, that's the psychological thing that a lot of people will be experiencing as well because you'll be transitioning they'll be like well why are they doing that this doesn't make sense or you'll get all those questions I, I'm sure you will but yeah. the one thing that, that they'll need to to understand and a lot of people don't understand is that this transition is good for you why is it good for you because we're limiting the amount of people and we're focusing on the group aspects so we can then increase your training literacy, we can enhance your performance and we can get you better results. And you'll start enjoying the community even more than you did before. 100%. You're paying that extra 20, 20 bucks or, or 25, whatever you, you're doing, but you're increasing the bottom line. They're increasing their spend. Mm-hmm. Their fund levels go up through the roof. Right. Because they actually feel they're wanted. They're not just a number. They go from being that number in that number 25 of, in that class, and then Mike's teaching a, a strength and conditioning class, for instance, and he's like, can't do this. Right. And then, and then uh, do, do you see how I'm going with this? That, that everyone then starts, they start peeling it back a little bit, they start reversing They're like, I feel valued. Right inspiring them you're innovative because you're actually doing that and you're educating all three areas now if i had that if i had that mentality uh, and being able to adopt that into any environment then i'd tell you what i'd, I'd be i'd be making millions <laughs> if if every coach I'm, I'm i'm gonna say this right now people might question this but if every coach 
followed intrinsic motivators over extrinsic, you'll be a millionaire. You will. Because you're building on the foundations of valuing people versus well, your own back pocket. So. You know, it's so funny. I, 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 um, to piggyback on that, you know, the, the book I, I, I wrote, I talked about that. I presented this to our team yesterday and, uh, it's an excerpt from, uh, the book, the go giver. And it's, it talks about, you know, the law of attraction and your, your influence is directly proportionate with how well you place other people's interests first. And that's exactly what you just said in terms of being able to provide value and, 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 and understand their wants and needs. Like people want to feel wanted. And we've talked about that a lot. This, this show, people want to feel they, people don't want to feel like a number, right? They, they, they that's don't. The problem want- is they fall into that cycle though, They're, because they naturally, you walk into a big box gym or you walk into a big box facility of some sort, whether it be fitness, whether it be, something completely irrelevant, but they are, they are seen as a number. They might see the receptionist every day. The receptionist knows what they're thinking, but I can guarantee the other people in the environment don't. Of course. Do they they, they spend time? No, they don't. So that's why it's it's important. Uh, And yeah, so you were saying about this book, um, I'm going to have to read it. It's 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 a hundred page uh, kind of fable on business. It's uh, okay. but it, but it can, it applies not only to business. It can be personal relationships, and it's it's um, it's the parity between a go getter and a go giver, and the differentiation between the two. It's really good. It's a it's like a two hour read. It, it's fantastic. I'd rather lose two hours of my day to gain two hours. I'll tell you that much. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was quite interesting when when there's there's so many of these books that are looking at businesses. And uh, I, 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 I want to just ask this final question anyway, um, because I I I wanted to keep it sort of hidden because I didn't really want to delve into it. But if you were to pick one thing that you would do differently with your business right now out of anything, what would you do right now or ever? Ever. Let's go ever. Okay. Dan Goodman, what would you do? One thing that you could go back and change. Oh boy. I put it on the spot here. I wasn't going to do this, but I just thought, you know what? He's opened up this much. Let's, let's see whether or not he can, he can answer this. (laughs) Man, uh, okay, this is easy, I think. This is easy, is that okay. we, we've talked about it a lot, and this is, might be a little too broad. It might be broad for what people want to hear, but just from a business standpoint, um, from, a, from a place, and it comes from a place of insecurity, you know, Joe and I chase revenue. We chase revenue hard to say we were part of a, we were a, we were a seven-figure gym. And the reality is, is that when we achieved those heights, we were actually making less money than, than in earlier days, personally. And you can chase the facility, and I'm proud that we have it, and I, I love it, and, and we're going to be there for the long run. Um, but maybe it was a year or two too soon. You know, maybe that maybe maybe we could have held on a little bit longer to a a, a, a facility that costs a little bit less. Uh, maybe we added too many full timers too soon because Joe and I felt like we needed to do other things. Um, and you know, lastly, I know I'm answering this kind of all over the place. Is that um, as an entrepreneur, um, which we all are when we go into business for ourselves, sometimes. It's important to you, you want to be challenged within uh, within your business, but if you feel like you you've got it all figured out, it doesn't mean that you should go start another business. And I've done that probably too many times, <laughs> and I keep coming back to the thing that I love the most, which is the gym and coaching others on how we run the gym. And 
if I just focus on that the whole way and I didn't try and get into the real estate and I didn't try to get into uh, owning a marketing company and a food service business. And we've been pulled a lot of different directions and you know, I call it professional ADD. It's like, stay fucking focused on what you do until it is an absolute well-oiled machine. And if it's an absolute well-oiled machine, maybe you should just recreate it again and make that a well-oiled machine and, and go from there as opposed to trying to get into all these other things just because it's the opportunities arisen. Like, you know, I think we were smart enough to know we've been asked a few different times to franchise in other States. And we, we've always said no, cause we didn't want to get into the franchising game, but I wish I had the ability to say no to some other things um, along the way that kind of distracted me from getting to where we are now, because I think we might've gotten here a little bit sooner had we stayed a little bit more focused on the bread and butter. Um, and I know that this pandemic situation is, you know, it's, it's reinvigorated the drive to really focus on the things that matter the most. And we talked about it earlier is that I've pruned all those other things because they don't matter. Uh, there's two or three things that we're really focused on. And, um, I wish as a younger, uh, look, you got to make mistakes, but I wish as a younger business person, I, I would have said no to more things, not like opportunities like, you know, traveling or going to learn from people or doing, uh, writing articles and not like that. I'm talking about getting distracted by what, and what seems too good to be true. Hey, you know, would you put varsity house, a stamp of approval on this food service? Yeah, sure. You know, it's going to be no work. Of course it's work. Right, like you know, so yeah. If someone uh, says there's nothing involved in it, I'm guaranteeing, yeah, there's there's going to be something, some hidden catch along the way for that, especially. Yeah, is that a is that a qualified answer? I know I was all over the place, but no, no, no. Look, to be honest, if if someone said that to me, and uh, I have been asked that once or twice, if I could go back and change uh, one, if if there was one thing I could change, I would change my ability to manage situations. I wish I could manage situations better uh, when I was younger, because like you say, managing situations can be anything from someone coming to you saying, oh, I've got this opportunity to do this, to do that. Uh, and just having the ability to say no. Right. That, 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 was, that was something that, that, that when I was younger, growing up, um, I struggled with because I wanted to help everyone. Mm -hmm. I had that in the back of my mind. I thought, well, okay, this is what I'm going to do now because I'm going to help them to do this. And, and it is hard, but you, you learn to understand that. And I think that the people around you definitely make those decisions easier as you grow up versus negative influences and things like that when you're, when you're younger. Yeah. Um, but that's just my point on that. Yeah, I, I would definitely go back and rewrite some situations um, both business and personal, um, <laughs> but uh, I'm sure that most people listening to this will probably do the same. You're right, uh, but we're all on a journey. We're all moving forward. As long as you can say that you've done that and made that as a mistake, uh, a mistake on something, uh, and you're actually addressing that, then then you're going to become a better person. I'm you need mistakes, like, man. So, it's like yeah. it's like training. You got to break it down to build. Uh, it, you know? Make as many as you can. Right. Um, because I'm not if I would I would rather someone make a hundred mistakes in that in in their week than making one as a coach. The reason yeah. why I say that is that if there's a hundred things going wrong, then 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 my true service and my true skill set will come through. Right. If I'm good, if I'm bad, and I've got a hundred mistakes and I'm running around clutching at straws and all this sort of stuff, then look, you're in the wrong industry, mate. Sorry, see you later. But, um, but that's my view anyway. Look, Dan, uh, I want to stay and talk uh, all day long, and um, I'm sure we'll start unraveling some more topics. And, uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll reconvene in the future. I'm sure people, if they want to listen to further episodes, we'll get some comments and uh, we'll pick up some topics um, along the way. Cool. But uh, from me today... Absolutely fantastic to, to catch up with you. And uh, once again, congratulations on uh, uh, of the birth of your baby. Thank you and, so much. Um, welcome to Parenthood. 
Thank you, man. Yeah, it was it was a punch straight to the face having a kid during a pandemic. I'll tell you what. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, man, have a great day, and uh, we'll speak you. soon. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Man.